0: I have, uh, I, I showed up last night and sat through run through, and and Erica sang that song and I was like, oh my God, this is good. And and so it's one of those. I, I've sat through every run through, I've sat through every service, and I mean, didn't the band just smoke that song? I mean, I mean, didn't they? My oh, gosh. I can say this at second chance, like they rolled it up and smoked it, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, if you don't know what that means, ask your grandchild. Um, <laughs> how many of you, how many of you, uh, and, and this, is, this is just a question, I'm not making fun of anybody, I'm not going to make anybody stand up or say anything. How many of you uh, love the game, or you've played the game of, of golf? Raise your hand, golf, golfer people, golf. Um, how many of you have ever been? You've you've been to the Masters. You've you've been. Oh wow. Okay. Look, oh, awesome. A lot of rich people here. Um, <laughs> how many? How many have never played golf in your life? Never played golf. Okay. Lots of us. Okay. Now that that's me, and there's a couple reasons. I'm not anti-golf. I'm not the anti-golf guy. I don't know if you ever met that guy or girl. I'm not anti-golf. I just never played. And there's a couple reasons. There's a couple reasons I stay away from golf. Number one, I can't hit the ball. I physically, it's a hand-eye coordination thing. When I played baseball one year, my batting average was zero because I couldn't, I can't hit the ball. Now, I want to go ahead and save you because there's always a dude, and it's always a dude, and after I talk about this, he's like, hey man, I would love to take you to the driving range. Sir, I don't want to go. I have no desire to go to the driving range. I'm 47 years old. I ain't trying to hit a golf ball. I'm trying to eat a cheeseburger, all right? So, I I, and the second reason that I have problems with golf is because I went to play as a 16-year-old for the first time, and my brother-in-law, who took me, um, he allowed me to caddy for him. So nice of him. And I was talking to him while he was trying to hit the ball. Now, evidently, this is not cool in golf. You can't talk to golfers, which I don't understand. Because baseball players have people yelling and screaming at them, and here's the ball coming at 900 miles an hour, but golfers, you know, you can't talk to them. So anyway... I'm talking to him and he he got so angry. He got so angry at me. This is what he said. He said, go get in the cart and wait for me on the green. So I took the golf cart and I drove it right up on to the green. Now, for those of you don't know, in golf world, you can go to hell for this. I mean, that's and he got to the green and he said some stuff that if i repeated it we'd have to start third chance church all right because it was unreal so so i'm not like a golf fan but i'm a sports fan i'm a sports fan i love sports and so while I'm not a hockey fan, I always want to know who won the Stanley Cup. While I'm not necessarily a NASCAR fan, I'm always interested in who won the Daytona 500. That's like the Super Bowl of racing, right? Um, while I'm I, I'm not as big of a baseball fan, I do want to know who won the World Series. I'm and college football, pro football. I, I'm just a sports fan. So for me. I'm always particularly interested in the Masters, and the reason why is because I believe it's the Super Bowl of golf tournaments, and because it's so close, Augusta's like what, two hours away or whatever, and so last week, last week I was really interested in the Masters, specifically because Tiger Woods was in a position when we met last Sunday to actually win the Masters, Now I didn't tell anybody else was pulling for Tiger, and the reason why is I'm superstitious, I'm very, very superstitious when it comes to sports, all right? Like when Clemson played Alabama the first time in the national championship, I went and they lost. So the next time they played them, I didn't go. I didn't go. And they won. And then they won again. They kept winning. Anyway, so, so I, I, I was watching. And when Tiger won last week, um, I got to be honest with you. I was a little emotional. I got a little emotional just th- because I thought about his story. He's got a fascinating story. Let me, let me just recap it really quick. Um, the first time I ever heard about Tiger Woods was in 1996. And uh, I was out of college for a couple years, and he turned, he turned pro. And I liked him because his name was Tiger Woods. Like, you don't name your kid Gamecock Woods, right? Because that would be like, because <laughs> he'd get beat up all the time. Anyway, um, I liked him because his name was Tiger. I was like, that's awesome. But I remember them saying that this guy is g- probably going to be one of the best golfers of all time. And I'm like, well, how can you say that? I mean, it's just now, but then the very next year... He wins the Masters at the age of 21, 21 years old and wins the Masters, and he's got all this notoriety, and people are going crazy, so crazy over Tiger that he actually got his own PlayStation game, and this is when you've officially, this is when, this is the only golf I can play, and by the way, let me just, side note, PlayStation 2, that game, I'll dominate anybody in this room. That is a challenge, but we will have to put money on it, all right? So, this is where I really got to learn the game of golf is through this type. And Tiger Woods, for the next several years, he dominated golf. He won the Masters like, uh, I think, a total of four or five times. He won all the, the major tournaments. He was, he was getting endorsement deals. I mean, his life was as, I mean, he was at the top of the world. But then in 2008, he got a knee injury. And it always starts with something small. He tore his ACL. By the way, he played a tournament with a torn ACL and won it. But then things started to spiral out of control. 2010, it became public that his marriage... And by the way, marriage issues are hard enough to work through behind the scenes. Can you imagine having to do it publicly like he did? His marriage his, his marriage falls apart publicly. Um, accusations of infidelity publicly. In and out of treatment centers. I mean, the guy's life... And he, was trying, he kept, kept trying to come back and play golf. But he was so frustrated because he couldn't seem to win again. And then I remember this picture being shown when he got so frustrated, he kicked his putter. And this is where people are like, you know what? We think Tiger Woods is done. And it seemed like his life continued to spiral out of control. And everybody in this room that's aware of him, we all thought it was over in 2017 when he got arrested for DUI. I remember this. I mean, and I chose this specific um, newspaper because of the phrase, washed-up golf legend busted in Florida. <laughs> I wonder what they wrote about last weekend. But but everybody thought he was washed up. So when he makes this comeback last week, the greatest comeback people are arguing of, of all time. I mean, people are absolutely going crazy. And the reason I got so emotional is I started thinking not just about my life, but I started thinking about the lives of people that I know because there's some people in this room. Listen, your struggle isn't as public as tigers, but it's as painful. There's some people going through stuff in this room or watching online and it's serious stuff and you don't get the attention that this guy got. But you know what you're feeling the same pressure you're feeling the same pain you feel discouragement you feel doubt sometimes you feel fear sometimes you feel worry and and it kind of it kind of played right into the message that I feel like God wanted me to really focus on this Easter is there's a guy named Paul in the scriptures and and he he writes this verse in in the book of Philippians that is amazing because because the reason I think it's amazing is because we as the church have allowed the world to out-celebrate us. Like, we'll celebrate that more than we, we, we celebrate w- what Jesus is doing in, in, in the world sometimes. And that should be celebrated. That is, in, I think it's important, but in 100 years when we're all dead, it won't matter. So, so the comeback that I want to talk about today is not just Tiger's comeback. I want to talk about, Jesus' comeback. And why because Jesus made a comeback, every single person in this room has the ability to make a comeback as well. Because Paul in Philippians said this: I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's the King James. We're going old school. We went, ain't no grave. And King. James. In fact, this is what I want everybody to do right now, out loud. I just want you. Maybe you've never read the Bible. You're going to read the Bible for the first time today. I just want us to say this verse together, everybody, even online. If you're in a car, hopefully you're not watching. You're listening. But but let's say this verse together. On three. One, two, three. I can do all things through Christ, which and you can. You can. And I'm going I'm to prove it to you because of what Jesus went through. And if we're a Christian, then Jesus lives in us, meaning, meaning if Jesus got through it, we can get through it too. I want to talk to you about three different types of pain today. Three different types of pain. So if you're a note taker, write this down. And if you're not a note taker, write this down. <laughs> Number one, relational pain. Anybody in here, remember, don't raise your hand, your first breakup. Yeah, so, Now some of y'all are telling each other about it right now. You don't need to do that. It's, it's church. <laughs> Pay attention. It was probably at the skating rink. <clears throat> remember he lied to you. He told you he could skate backwards and then the couple skate came up and uh, <laughs> he couldn't skate backwards and you just dropped him like a bad habit. You remember that? I remember I, a really bad breakup that I had. Um, and I didn't have many because I didn't date a lot. I got turned down more times than sheets the holiday in. So I, I, had, I had some <laughs> dating issues anyway. Some of you will get that later, but I, I was dating this girl, I was in college, I was dating this girl in high school, and um, I, I went to Anderson College, and she lived in Easley. And some of you are, are gonna have to just Google this, but back during those days, we had to use this thing called a landline. It was insane. And to call, some of you remember this, to call, from, to call Easley was long distance, like $487 a minute. So so, so <laughs> it was like, love you by a click, and love you by a click. And so. And she was one of those people, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship like this, but like, like, have you ever seen those people when they're on the phone, like, I love you, no, I love you, no, I love you, no, I love you. I love you the mostest, I love you the mostest. Okay, you hang up, no, you hang up, no, you hang up, no, you hang up. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I hate that. So, <laughs> I didn't know you played that game, bro. I was new to the dating scene. It's Like, I love you, she's like, I love you too. I was like, okay, she said, you hang up. I went, click. I learned that sometimes women say things they don't mean. She told me to hang up. She called me back. She said, what did you do? I'm like, you said, hang up. I don't know. So anyway, there was one weekend that I wasn't going to get to go home uh, because I was a broke, poor college student. And, and so I was like, I'm not going to, get to come home this weekend. She's like, oh, I'm going to miss you so much. I was like, yeah, I miss you too. I'm going to miss you too. No, I'm going to miss you the most. and So I played the game. But that afternoon, a friend of mine, her dad owned a furniture store. And she said, hey, my dad needs some guys to move some furniture. Would you like to make $40 cash this afternoon? I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go be a piece of furniture for $40 cash. <laughs> so um, I got some money. I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm a am surprise her. I'm going to go to the football game surprise her. And somebody's like, how are you going to find her at the football game? It was easily. There were four people there. Um, so I remember I walked in the gate. And there she was. She saw me, and I saw her, and then I saw him. <laughs> now, I, this is, I don't have very many of these moments in my life, but this was one of the coolest moments of my life. I wish I would have a camera because this, this would have been a great movie moment. I literally walked up to them. She's cheating on me, by the way, for those of y'all had not figured this out. <laughs> I looked at the guy, and I just said, leave. He said, I beg your pardon, I said, walk away, and he did, and I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> now, I'm not going to tell you what I said to her, but we broke up, okay, because I was barely saved at the time. We broke up, and it was, it was relational pain, though. It was, it was a breakup, and it was relational pain, and everybody in this room, though we can kind of laugh at stuff like that, everybody in this room has some relational pain that's not so funny, and Jesus did. Now, we don't think about that sometimes because we think Jesus is this stoic figure and everywhere he went, his robe was always white, even though in that part of the world it's always dusty, but his robe was always white and he always had a frown on his face, but he didn't. Jesus laughed. Jesus smiled. Jesus was fully God, yes, but he was also fully human being. So he would have experienced some of the same things or the same things that you and I experienced. Now, he started his ministry when he was 30 years old and he did ministry for about three years. And during the course of that three years, he recruited a team around him. And if you've read the Bible, if you, ever, you went, ever went to church, you've heard the names of some of his team members, like Peter, James, John, Andrew, Bartholomew, Thomas, you've heard of these guys. And they followed him everywhere he went, and they did ministry, with, they did life with him. This wasn't like our friend groups, like we hang out with somebody once a week and that's a friend or once every other week, or once a month, and that's a friend. And I'm not dissing on that. I'm just saying 2,000 years ago when Jesus hung out with these people, he did life with them. They were together every single day. And the night before he was arrested and put on trial and eventually crucified, he's having supper with them. And he said to them at the supper, tonight I'm going to get arrested and all of you, going to betray me and all of them said the exact same thing to him that we would have said I know I would have done this all of them said no way Jesus no way we're going to betray you we're with you we got your back and Jesus said I'm telling you I'm telling you when it hits the fan you got this is my translation when it hits the fan you guys are going to leave and and one of them even said or actually the Bible says the whole group said if we have to die with you we will die with you I mean it was Shit, it was real. And I think they meant it. I think their hearts were completely sincere. But when the soldiers showed up with torches and swords, things changed. And Matthew, who was there, who was actually one of the people in this group that's about to be described, said, Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Can you imagine in that moment being arrested, knowing you're about to be killed, and seeing the people that were closest to you that said they would never abandon you leave? How did that feel? That's relational pain. And there's people in this room and you're watching online that you've experienced relational pain. Maybe this year, maybe over the past five years, 10 years, 20 years. Maybe it was, it's a spouse or an ex-spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's one of those people that say, I got your back, I got your back, I got your back. And then looking back, you, you discovered the reason they had your back is so they could figure out where they could stick the knife so you couldn't pull it out. Everybody in this room knows what it's like to experience relational pain. And relational pain, if we just let it go, it'll cause us to be angry. It'll cause us to be bitter. It'll cause us to be hurtful. It'll cause us to want revenge and actually start celebrating when bad things happen to other people. And that's not good for, our, for us and our souls and our lives long-term. And I know, listen, I'm not gonna minimize the relational pain that anybody in this room has gone through because it's real, it's legitimate, and it hurts. And I know it does, but I know that in Christ, You can overcome any relational pain that anyone on this planet has thrown your way. How do I know that? It's very simple. Because Paul said, I can do all things. Not some things, but all things. How? Through Christ, who strengtheneth me. I'm not saying it's easy. But I'm saying if Jesus overcame relational pain, and by the way, he did. Because after the resurrection, he did find the apostles. He found them all, and he did not lecture them. He loved them, and they went on to change the world. Relational pain. You're in it, but you can overcome it with Christ in you. The second type of pain that we go through is emotional pain. Now, how many of you would... Like, I'm an emotional person. A lot of people wouldn't guess that, but I'm emotional. Like, how many of you are, like, sympathetic criers? You just cry with other people. Like, if I started crying right now, you'd start crying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you put your hand down real quick. <laughs> Leave me hanging like that. <laughs> now, I cry at movies. Um, I do. I, like, uh, I went to see Creed in the theater. I'm a big Rocky fan. So and when I went to see Creed in the theater in the very end when he stood up, I just, I just lost it. I did. I, I'm just like that. And so um, several years ago, I had some minor surgery. They said it was minor surgery, but it was on me, so it was major. Um, so it was outpatient, and they sent me home with these pain pills, and they said, take these pain pills. They might make you emotional. So I'm already emotional taking pain pills that make me emotional. And a friend of mine had recommended this movie, um, I Am Legend. How many of you have seen I Am Legend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great movie. came out in 2007. And for those of you who haven't seen it, I'm about to ruin it for you. Because um, I'm watching this movie, and first of all, zombies freak me out. I I just, I can't, but he didn't tell me there were zombies in the movie, and so I'm freaking out. But at the end, y'all, when the dog died, and it didn't just die, it like gave its life and Sacrificed. I was a rat. I called him. I was like, you didn't tell me. And the dog done, And I wasn't even drinking then. So don't even, I mean, I just kind of go ahead and address that real quick. Go ahead and rip that Band-Aid off. Because somebody probably, he was probably drunk. No, I wasn't. This is me normal. That's why... <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day about Karis, my daughter. I was like, I'm looking for a movie for Karis and I to watch. And they're like, oh, you should watch Marley and Me. I'm like, you're going to eat rocks. <laughs> I know what happens to the dog at the end of that movie. I cried in the preview. Watching that movie with my daughter? be having convulsions. She'd be like, Daddy, what's wrong? I will watch it with Chance, my dog, though. <laughs> Next time he pees on the carpet, I'll be like, Chance, check this out. Do it again. Anyway. I'm an emotional person. Most people in this room, even the ones that say you're not emotional, you're emotional about something. All of us get emotional. Did you know that Jesus, when he was here on earth, experienced emotional pain? Now, here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. Maybe you've gone to church for years. You've never heard about this part of the story. But Jesus, Jesus went through emotional pain. I'll prove it to you. Watch this. He's, he's about to get arrested, but before he gets arrested, he goes to this place. Matthew says this. He said, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I'll go over there and pray. Now, watch this. Watch this. It's very interesting. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. You ever thought about Jesus being sorrowful and troubled? Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's emotional pain. And by the way, It completely blows up the phrase used by people that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. When you're going through a tough time, you've heard this, you've heard this. All you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. Just all you need is Jesus. Well, it sounds great, but let me ask you a question. If all you needed was Jesus, then why wasn't Jesus good enough for Jesus? Jesus models for us, that yes, we do need him, but we need the help of others as well if we're going to really get past emotional pain. He opened up. He wasn't scared. One of the reasons that a lot of people say locked-in emotional pain is you won't talk about it. And I'm not accusing you because I dealt with it for years and didn't want to bring it up. You know why? Because if you admit that you deal with things like fear, worry, anxiety, panic attacks, depression. You get labeled. People tell you, well, you're just not a good Christian. You just need to have more faith. There's some hidden sin in your life. There's something off with you. There's something wrong with you. If you just had more faith, you'd be a better person. But here we have Jesus in the scripture saying, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He knows what it's like to experience emotional pain. However, though he was there, He did not stay there. And you don't have to either. You know how I know? Because Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. If Jesus can listen, he didn't get out of it. He got through it. And the same Jesus that got through it in you can get you through it too. Trust it from somebody. Listen, I'm in the process of getting through it myself. I can tell you, it's better today than it was last week. Not because of anything I have done, but because what Christ has done in me. The third type of pain is spiritual pain. Have you have you ever gone through a season where you just questioned God? It's just like you call it a dark. I call it dark, like a dark season spiritually like you question God God are you real God why did you let this happen to me God how could you let this go on have you ever have you ever been there now if you're a church person you're told to say no but I have and I've had people go oh yeah I bet when all that happened to you you went through a dark no I'm not talking about then I'm talking about like last month we all have dark times I learned as a child that the darkness can hurt right Till this day right now in my life, I'm 47 years old, I have a nightlight in my room. And I have a nightlight for one reason, I'm scared of the dark. Like if if this room went dark, I would just start swinging. (laughs) I I would just just go, I mean, it would just be crazy. I I don't play that game. I've had people go, oh, you're scared of the dark room, come by your place one night and scare you. I'm like, I got seven guns in my room, so go ahead. I'll introduce you to Jesus. I mean, you'll meet him. You don't mean him. I don't play. And the reason why, let me explain to you. This is the reason why I'm so messed up. Is my dad. Now, he's with Jesus now, okay? But he's gone, so I can blame everything on him. My dad grew up scaring me all the time. Like, he thought it was funny just to scare me. So he's jumping out from behind the wall and all this other stuff. One night, I was getting in my bed, and my feet, feet, my dad was under my bed. This is how jacked up this was, okay? This is why I'm so messed up. My dad reaches out from under the bed, grabs my feet, and screams as loud as he can, right? <laughs> so I said it, then I did it, if you know what I'm saying. Then I got in trouble because Mama was with me. So anyway, so after that, after that, I was, I was, I I kind of set up this thing where my bed was at the end of the, the bedroom. My light was here, and we had a hallway. So I would, sh- I would turn off the light, go to the end of the hallway, take off running, leap, and then land in my bed. I remember the first time I did it, my dad was under the bed. I was like, how you like me now? Anyway, so I kind of, and I did it every night. Well, there was a day that my mom decided to kind of rearrange my bedroom, and she moved my bed about a foot to the right. And I didn't notice, and she didn't tell me. (laughs) You can't make this up. So that night, I cut off the light, go in the hall, take off running, and I dove. And as I'm in the air, I'm thinking... This fall is taking a little bit longer than the fall normally takes. (laughs) And I discovered that darkness can hurt, right? All of us knows that darkness can hurt physically because you've stumped your toe or hit your knee or something when you're walking around. But spiritually, it can hurt too. Jesus experienced spiritual pain. Jesus experienced one of those God-where-are-you moments. Again, some funny looks because maybe you've never heard this before. But the reason he can identify with us and help us through it is because he went through it himself. He was put on trial. And Matthew says that Pilate, the guy that was ultimately the Roman official that convicted him, the Bible says that Pilate released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged. Now, we, we read that and we kind of gloss over it, but Matthew's original readers would have known, being flogged, it was, it's when you, a man's hands were tied to a pole, to the top of the pole, his back would have been completely exposed, tightening the skin as much as possible. He's beaten with a cat of nine tails, which is a piece of wood with nine straps of leather, intertwined in the leather were pieces of bone, and glass, and rock, and when the strip would hit a man, it wouldn't, just, it wouldn't just fall off, it would stick, and the person whipping would pull the whip back, which would rip skin off. Most people didn't survive the flogging. And after that, after that, he's put naked on a cross, hung out for the world to see. And while that's going on, While all that's happening, Matthew says that from noon until 3 in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. Can you imagine that? When it's supposed to be the brightest, it's the darkest. Many of us have experienced that in life. What was supposed to be the brightest part of life went completely dark. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sound like somebody in spiritual pain? See, we don't put that verse on t shirts. We put, like, it is finished, to tell a like stuff like that. But this is Jesus asking God, where are you? You've asked that question. You had a friend or a family member die, and you didn't understand. You got diagnosed with a diagnosis that rocked your world, and you didn't understand. Every single person in this room that's honest has been at this place before, but it's okay. Because Jesus went through it and overcame it, and in Christ, so can you, and so can I. See, if this is where the story ended, we'd have the story of a great teacher that taught some great things, did a few great miracles, and then just vanished off the planet. But Matthew wrote one more chapter. In chapter 28, he said, after the Sabbath, and that's important because a Sabbath is a time where people rest. After the Sabbath, When it seemed like God was silent, and just because God is silent does not mean that God is absent. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, pause, how would you like to be her? Who are you? The other Mary. Okay, good, good, good. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, I love this. There was a violent earthquake, because God likes to shake things up. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. Now, I love that verse. And the reason I love it is because if you study angels in the Bible, they always have an assignment. They got to go here. They are assigned this type of worship. They do this. They fly here. They go to this person. They're delivering messages. But I love the angel in this text. I don't know what his assignment was, but when he rolled back the stone, he was like, you know what, I'm going to sit right here and watch this. Thank you very much. This is the, I got a front row seat to the most important event in the entire world, this thing called the resurrection. So the angel's there. And by the way, his clothes were on point because the Bible says his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. And I think that's the message that God has for somebody here today. He knows where you are. He knows what the struggle is. He knows what you're going through. But do not be afraid. For I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. I'm going to go ahead and admit he was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come see the place where he lay. And the resurrection became the reason that you and I can have hope, because I want you to listen to me. Jesus has never abandoned anything except an empty grave. He's still with you. He still loves you. He's still got a plan for your life. So for those in this room that feel completely overwhelmed, I understand, but in Christ, in Christ, we can overcome. Jesus, thank you so much for your promises in scripture. Thank you so much, Jesus, that we, God, that that you can identify with us. Father, I pray for those in the room that are going through relational pain, emotional pain, Our spiritual pain. That's that's very real. God, I pray that you would just speak peace over our lives during these next few moments to let us know that we we can make a comeback. We can step out of this. We can overcome. Not because of who we are, Jesus, but because of who you are. We love you. We ask this in your name.